According to Matthew. <clears throat> so when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate peoples from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at the, his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are the members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, you that are cursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not give me clothing sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And he will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it, just as you did not do it <clears throat> to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So since 1925, <clears throat> the last Sunday of the church year has been celebrated as Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday. Despite what the world wants from leaders, this Sunday makes the ringing proclamation that Christ and not rulers of this world reign supreme. It is no coincidence that Christ the King Sunday began in 1925 by the decree of Pope Pius XI, for in Italy in 1925 there was a king other than Christ. His name was Benito Mussolini, and he rode the crest of fascism to become the supreme ruler of Italy in that year, 1925, declaring himself the heir to the Roman Empire. Mussolini declared that the fascist state of Italy was born out of the eternal need of the Aryan and Mediterranean races to ensure the purification of their people. 
Christ the King Sunday was established in defiance of that declaration. The church chose to insist that Christ, not racism or any other ism, ruled supreme. It wasn't the first time that the followers of Jesus insisted that something other than fear would rule their lives. From the very beginning, the followers of Jesus insisted that Jesus and not Caesar, not the emperor, not any other ruler will, will rule. The creed was as simple and as complicated as that. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus rules, not Caesar. <clears throat> this simple and yet complicated creed was enough to get you killed in the first century. And thousands, thousands of Christians died confessing that faith because the emperor wanted everyone to declare the emperor as the son of God, not Jesus. <clears throat> and yet Jesus... And yet people chose to insist that the way of Jesus would rule their lives and not the way of the empire. And so not only was Jesus crucified, but so were many of Jesus' followers. And they were crucified because they insisted that there was another way to live, Jesus' way. And it was to live free from fear. The followers of Jesus were persecuted for living in the hope that love and not hate offered a better way because of the danger of living as followers of Jesus way the symbol of the fish arose as a way of identifying those who chose love over fear those who participated in vacation Bible school a couple years ago um, you may remember um, one of our one of our uh, uh, guards was played by Randy Page, <laughs> and he was all decked out as the guard. And um, <clears throat> but but the kids then were to draw a picture of the fish, and he wasn't supposed to recognize it. <clears throat> and then they would quickly, you know, take it away. Um, but that was part of the vacation Bible school. And as they were doing that, they were they were being reminded. Um, you know, not only was it a fun time, but it was also taught the struggle that the early Christians had in following the way of Jesus. The ichthus, that's the name for the fish. The symbol of the fish arose 2,000 years ago in Rome as a way of identifying those who chose love over fear. And the fish symbol was adopted by the early followers of Jesus because the Greek word for fish, ichthus, was the acronym, was, was an acronym for the word fish and the first letters of the Greek words, Jesus, Savior of the world, spelled the Greek word for fish, Jesus, Savior of the world. That symbol was simple to draw, could be traced in the dirt and then quickly erased, um, so that the authorities wouldn't notice it and that the military might would not notice the subversive act of the Christians who chose love over fear. Quietly, defiantly, the followers of Jesus dared to struggle to suggest that love was more powerful than fear. 
feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, caring for those in need was the way those early Christians chose to identify themselves. And they did it with this symbol of a fish. It wasn't until 364 when Constantine declared the empire to be a Christian empire that the cross took over from the fish as a symbol of the Christian faith. The most feared symbol of Roman oppression was then transformed into an in, transformed from an instrument of torture to a symbol of which torture and death was unable to kill hope. Where once the Roman Empire had used crucifixion to terrorize, to show vengeance and retribution against the peoples that they had conquered, the Christians, the very people they conquered, used the sign of the cross to declare that hatred and vengeance and retribution could not kill love and that life in Christ and ultimately eternal life in Christ was more powerful, is more powerful and trustworthy than the emperor with his tactics of fear. Many have tried to reinterpret or simply rewrite the powerful call to care for others with words that undermine the call. Like, I was hungry and you said I should get a job. I was thirsty and you said the poor will always be with us. So there's no sense helping. But the early Christians saw God hidden in the eyes of the least of these, our brothers and sisters. The difference between the righteous and the unrighteous appears to be the willingness of the righteous to look people in the eye and meet them in their circumstance. And because of their willingness to look the marginalized in the eye, they were willing to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, to welcome those whose lives are at stake because of the ravages of war or dictatorship in their own countries, to provide clean drinking water, to give people a chance to make a better life for themselves, to give health and healing when possible, to give during the noisy offering uh, for world hunger, to support the La Crosse area schools, food program like the Hinchin program, uh, come or come for supper or clothes closets and provide food for the warming center, to give to the give, give, good gifts projects around the world. Faith calls us to feed and to care for others, but it also believing that these other ones, the stranger, the poor, the refugee, the depressed, the despondent, the imprisoned, actually have a place in our hearts which was a very risky way to think and act in the first three centuries of the Roman Empire. Empathy for others wasn't valued in the Roman Empire. What's interesting to note is that neither the righteous nor the unrighteous realized that the Lord was hidden in their most vulnerable neighbors. Clearly, the unrighteous didn't realize that the Lord was hidden in their most vulnerable neighbors, but the righteous didn't recognize it either. They didn't expect to receive a reward for helping others. They simply helped, not even aware of it. <clears throat> 
One could say their empathy and compassion for others simply moved them into loving, kind actions. Our world is filled with people who think that revenge and retribution, an eye for an eye and a tooth, to, and a tooth for a tooth is the way to live. But our world is also filled with those who don't see it that way. Jesus gives us this different way, one of love and not fear, of kindness, not hatred, of empathy and compassion, not indifference. So I end with this story. I've shared this a few years ago, but it's so worth hearing again and again so we don't forget it. It's the story that connects us to the Christian symbol of the fish as well as to empathy and compassion. A female humpback whale had become entangled in a spider web of crab traps and lines. She was weighed down by hundreds of pounds of traps that caused her to struggle to stay afloat. She also had hundreds of yards of line rope wrapped around her body, her tail, her torso, a line tugging on her mouth. These are thick lines, not little fishing lines. This is her story of giving gratitude. A fisherman spotted her just east of the Farallon Islands outside of the Golden Gate and radioed for help. Within a few hours, the rescue team arrived and determined that she was so badly off that the only way to save her was to dive in and untangle her. A very dangerous proposition. One slap of the tail could kill a rescuer. They worked for hours with curved knives and eventually freed her. When she was free, the diver said she swam in what seemed like joyous circles. She then came back to each and every diver, every one of them, one at a time, nudged them gently, pushed them just a little bit, thanking them. Some said it was the most incredible, beautiful experience of their lives. The guy who cut the rope out of her mouth says her eye was following him the whole time and he will never be the same. May we all be so fortunate to be surrounded by people who will help us get untangled from the things that are binding us. And may we have the eyes to see the needs around us and the compassion to respond to them. Amen.